Welcome to Grace and Cranky, a podcast with Stephen Pedno and Jocelyn Yerksa. This is our invitation to wise aging and healthier eldership. We've been conditioned to avoid conversations about aging. So how can we find the vitality and movement in these resistances? How do we embrace both the grace and crankiness of aging? Can we explore the uncertain, the unknown, and the unknowable about aging and about population aging? What about joyful and wise eldership? We want to welcome the complexities and contradictions of these conversations. This is what we are curious to experiment with and explore on this podcast. This is a way for us to unpack and share the many gifts that we've received along the way of our journey and the journey to come. We look forward to what we have to learn with those that we speak to along the way. And we hope that you have some fun listening and learning along with us. I'm here with my good friend, Stephen Pedno. Stephen, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Stephen Pedno. I'm a queer white settler. I live in Teotiake, also known as Montreal. That is a, uh, an unceded territory of the Mohawk people and also recognized as a land of gathering for many other indigenous uh, communities. And I've been uh, diving into this work of aging for uh, more than seven years now in the organization Présage and also into my own perspectives of it. And uh, can you present yourself a bit more, Jocelyn? Yeah. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, I'm Jocelyn Yerksa, and I am a white settler um, living and working, playing in Chibuktuk, Mi'kmaq, the ancestral unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq, otherwise known as Halifax, Nova Scotia. I too have been working in aging um, myself for more than 10 years. Um, and, ha- and have been doing that with the government in Nova Scotia. Um, and most recently I've been running a social innovation lab focused on population aging. And this question around wise aging and healthier eldership has really captured my attention lately, um, coming at it from a, a slightly different perspective than um, what might be the, the services or needs or changes in our society as population ages to, uh, to something maybe a little bit more personal and a little bit um, not grander scale, but broader, a broader focus, mm-hmm. um, a little more connected, I think, to kind of life purpose and where are we going? What, what is all of this for? Mm, yeah. How do we f- talk about this big change in our societies but also make space for the other storms that are around and the other the many other things that we need to worry about right now and that that are connected to this too and that we often so easily disconnect from uh, one from another and 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 I think uh it's one of our intentions to, as you said, have broader reflections about all of the things connected to what it means to not only grow old, but to grow up. Um, yeah, and I think it's, it's, it's a journey that we've been on together for uh, many years now. Um, Jocelyn and I met in 2018 at Banff Center of Arts 
and creativity um, where we were doing uh, um, participating in a res residency in social innovation called Getting to Maybe. So we were together there for a month and the, uh, the two only people working in this topic. And we also connected, I think, personally uh, really quickly and uh, it's a relationship that has really stayed since then. Um, so yeah, again, grateful for that. Yeah, I think we were some of the only two early birds at breakfast uh, <laughs> early in the morning. I remember having breakfast with you quite a lot during that month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we were all, also uh, of the only people that were from the east of Canada. That's true, and, yeah. And, uh, and also, I think we connected in, in this way, really seeing different perspectives from, from the other people, but also different perspectives from, from one another. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and yet to talk more about how this connects with the, the podcast, uh, we met many great people uh, during this month, many from elders to knowledge keepers to uh, teachers, um, many of them, I think, impacted. Artists, and artists. artists and dancers and mm. yeah. Yeah and, and also, yeah, and also so beings, many. <laughs> beings that are not human. Mm. We've, we, uh, I think there was something also really impactful for, from this moment that I, for me, I think it was one of the first moments that I've, I've been invited to really sit and listen to other beings and the land, which yeah. is, I think, really connected to Grace and Cranky and people will, will get that along the way, how this idea of being separated from the rest of, of, of this planet and this metabolism is, is something that also informs how we're looking at these questions right now. And more specifically, uh, um, we met Vanessa Andreotti from the Gesturing Towards Decolonial Futures Collective in this, um, in this residency and and the work of the collective about really about shifting the way we look at problems or challenges that we're facing right now from a different, really different perspective. And it's something that we often talk about, like in where, where we work in social innovation, that's the buzzword, like different perspective and shifting the angles and shifting the way we look at things but I think that the work of the collective really showed me what that could mean in a yeah. different way yeah yeah I remember um when Vanessa came and she um she described and offered the work of the collective she um she did she did a few different things with us. I remember her introducing the host of modernity, um, a really uh, deep critical analysis of colonialism and um, capitalism, modern day structures and that we all live in and, and, uh, and what those are built on and how disproportionate they are from 
um, from what the planet has to offer and also how disproportionate it is um, that those who most benefit are not those who are most harmed by, hmm. by that, uh, by the system that we're, that we're currently in and um, how the benefits are dependent on, on others being harmed. And so I remember that. And I also remember her offering um, the bus with us, the bus within us, mm-hmm. the bus to us at that, at, uh, at getting to maybe, which was also another really powerful tool in that moment. It felt really powerful and, and different about um, really asking us to look inside about all of the multiple perspectives that we hold within mm-hmm. ourselves and to, to, um, to, to do that without judgment, to be, to be comfortable in that, to, to understand that the complexities within us are also replicated outside of us. And that if we can't understand the complexities within us, then how are we to work with the complexities outside of us? So, um, Mm. so that was really powerful to me as well. And then she also did, um, embodiment exercises with us uh, in the evening um, around connecting with each other. So going to the other levels of the bus, um, the you and me and the um, uh, me, me and you. And, oh no, what are they, Stephen? <laughs> yeah, there's the, there's four decks on the bus. There's, there's the me deck, deck, there's the ah. me and you the me in you and the neither me neither you that's right yeah yep yeah i got the i got the you and me and you in me mixed up there Mm. um couldn't couldn't find the words uh for that but i but i remember doing some paired embodiment work um around you know seeing others within ourselves mirroring each other and uh and those were really powerful powerful exercises that stayed and really had an impression on me, which is why I was, you know, wanting to reach out and see how my work in the lab could connect with and be informed by and, um, and be on the, the journey around decolonization um, using the practices and methods of the collective. Yeah. And, and I think the the bus really tools tools us for uh, as you said, not s- stop being in this path of of thinking that we're a singular narrative that is always coherent and and I think this like this practice of trying to sit with my own bus that I've. I've played with uh, in in many way in my days and and in many moments of my life, but really um, helped me sit with also my whiteness in a in a different way and really um, start to see it more and to sit with it more and and um, and being able to I don't know have a have have a different clarity about how I was reproducing this in my own work also in in social innovation while also criticizing all the time that the work was not was too white (laughs) yeah um 
and yeah, I think the many tools of the work and and a bit of why it really uh, called me was was looking at yeah at, at not solving the problems of solving the issues by creating new solution and and being the solutionism that is really exhausting me and <laughs> I'm exhausted of, of seven years of, of solutionism. Yeah. Um, but really take time to sit with the problem that are in front of us that we've, we rush to solve and to um, understand them from, from really a broader perspective. And I think the intention of this podcast is to bring some of those perspectives to to also share with other people what it means to us to look at aging differently and 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 what it means to connect this with decolonial practices and 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 this kind of bubble that we're on together and that we uh yeah, geek geek out on is not the good word because we're not only geeking out. I think it's it's way deeper than that. It's connect it's connecting with deeper level and 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 more spiritual level also in some ways. That yeah. is not a word that I would have used connected to my work uh, no. before. No, except that we have been on some quite spiritual adventures together mm. i mean you described banff um and the and the invitations that we had along the way to connect with land differently yes. um that was one and then and another experience we had um uh, uh, connecting with the land in colorado and going on a uh on a fast and and really asking and inviting for um, wisdom from a different, in a different way, from a different place. Um, and I think those things along with, uh, the, the work that we started in January when Vanessa came to Nova Scotia and you came to Nova Scotia and my dog is in here with me and he's going to jump off the bed and make a noise. <laughs> so I'm going to move him. Sit coop. Um, when Vanessa came here in January and, um, and we, as a, as a group of about 12 or 13 people had had the shared experience of reading towards braiding and really looking at, um, the, looking at more deeply the, uh, brick and thread sensibilities that the book offers and what it means to, be in spaces where we're inviting different ways of knowing um, and different perspectives, mm. different realities, um, and, and how we can, in those spaces, um, build the stamina to have hard conversations, do difficult work together, and not break relationships. The, the, collective um refers to as composting can we mm. compost the the muck the shit the yeah and, and yeah and 
And I think we're le- learning a lot about how to just sit with it and see that sh- that that shit that needs to be composted and um, seeing all the ways it shows up in our work and and really being in a in this weird space right now when we're where we're trying to recalibrate how we're gonna talk about aging and and not just talk think about aging or invite other people to to get in this work and 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 what this different way that is not starting from a solutionism point of view looks like is something that I think is is starting to be hinted to us through the, these practices and the many invitations that we receive through the collective and that is uh, yeah, that is powerful also um, teachings. Those are powerful teachings for us to, that we are responsible to also, um, I think from, from our position of, of, of white settler inviting to this work that is connected to many indigenous communities that inform this, these perspectives with uh, as you were talking about the house of modernity earlier with a really stronger connection with uh, the shit <laughs> that we're producing and that we're uh, dumping on, on other communities. Uh, well, I think the other, um, the other thing or, or what comes up for me, and I don't know if it's another thing or if it, what just sparked in my mind was thinking about the, the after Vanessa was here and the work that we did mm. with um, with Mo and Rachel on um, the cartographies of aging and where that uh, work has gone, where it's taken us, where it has yet to take us. Because, um, you know, thinking about the conversations that we uh, avoid when it comes to aging, well, um, there's a multitude, you know, where the kind of internal ageism that we have, the kind of association of uh, old being frail and um, uh, deficient somehow, um, and avoiding the uh, inevitable, which is that we all are going to pass away at some point in time um and uh and also that it's not just the beginning of our lives and the end of our lives but that there are beginnings and ends throughout our lives and that in fact we can't live without death happening um on an ongoing basis as we nourish ourselves as we um see the seasons come and go as we um, as we do so many of the activities that we do. Uh, so, you know, relating those to how are we then thinking about aging, particularly because both of us are in this innovation space where, you know, I think, as you said a little bit, oh, you didn't use this language, but where we're always looking for the next shiny ball, or hopefully we're not creating shiny balls. Hopefully we're actually creating something new that is uh, at least gesturing towards a better future. Um, one that, I mean, can we ever really 
No, but that is at least not replicating the mistakes of the past. And I think that's, that's what I'm really hopeful that we can begin to talk about. And we've, we've sort of started the conversation ourselves many times and, and we've met so many people along the way that we want to have these conversations with that hopefully will accept our invitations so that we can, um, we can dig a little bit deeper. You know, one of the things that keeps coming up for me is that um, technology is great. Technology has also taken us away from the land and earth and, um, and can be a tool for separation as much as it can be a tool for connection when we can't be together. Um, and that, that, that also has the potential of us not growing into the spaces of being able to care and share with each other. So I don't know. I don't know what's coming up for you, Stephen. Yeah, and I, I like what you said about um, yeah, disconnection to the dying. And, and what comes to me from that is, is also how our society and I think about urban white North American society, how our lives are organized in a really siloed way in between generations and, and how we don't, this lack of intergenerational relationships and bonds also impacts this fact that we're not with the dying. We're not with this, we, we don't see the dying. Uh, it's all like even physically, even in the way that we've designed the city and the services, the dying is a way in spaces that are are cluttered and and well, if I could jump in because here, you know the the um, the places and spaces of uh, of of dying or or um, you know, where we send things that we no longer want or need, you know, thinking about, uh, and this might be, I might be going down a different and wrong path uh, than where you were going, Stephen, but, uh, you know, garbage sites, for instance, or waste. Mm. And I think about uh, recently a documentary done on environmental racism here in Nova Scotia. Mm. Um, and the, the connection between um, poisoning and harming African Nova Scotian communities and indigenous communities and, and traditional indigenous land and waterways um, for the purpose of progress, growth and productivity. And then that also makes me think about that what we've seen with COVID, which may have been more where you were going, I'm not sure. Um, and the, the impacts of COVID in particular, I remember early in the pandemic, you and I having the conversation, things were, were, were bad in Montreal and they were bad in Nova Scotia in the first wave uh, in nursing homes, especially. And, um, and that, that separation and cutting off mm. was, very much alive and that the impacts of uh, death and dying from COVID were seen most um, 
acutely in in long-term care facilities, which are you know, meant to be places and spaces of care. And, uh, and unfortunately, they were places and spaces where the virus was able to take a lot of loved ones away when the loved ones couldn't be there, which mm. I think was, was so painful. Yeah, and it's, it's funny, I had a conversation uh, around this earlier on a hike. Um, yeah, about how, how true time, when we remember of crisis like a pandemic, we especially remember how we dealt with death and the dying people. It's always the most alive stories or, or the stories that, that tells us, I think, a lot more about ourselves as, as societies. Um, and I think the story that is unraveling now from this pandemic is also a, stories of, a story of many teachings. That is still, um, yeah, a lot, a lot to unpack and a lot to, uh, and then also an intention that we also don't have a lot of time to unpack that because solutionism mm -hmm. is at the door and it's knocking hard and it wants to solve this problem or at least, uh, Publish in the news that the problem has been solved. But really, um, what is coming to me in, in, in this context that we are in, and, and we've been talking about that since we began our conversation, and this idea of repeating the same mistakes, because we're always trying to optimize and to go further into progress. And it's something that I'm seeing more and more in my work as I dive into also the past and the history of, of the services that were in Quebec for seniors 20 years ago. And where I'm seeing that actually what I'm, I'm imagining when I'm creating space around social innovation are services or spaces that look a lot like the stories I'm hearing about the past spaces where we were yes things were not great because there were many other inequalities going on um, but if we talk about the services for seniors and that were only mostly white seniors in, in, in Quebec at that time serviced anyway um, and um, when you look the history of it through the last 20 years and through the series of reforms that have happened, well, you see that we're actually not that much in a need of innovation. We're just in a need of decluttering the systems that we're in because we tried to optimize it through control to get to a better efficiency and when you look at what that does at uh, an individual level in the communities and what it does to a public servant that are with people and that want to be in this care relationship and they want to give care, like the system becomes violent to them to do that. So if 
so they either have a choice to go with the flow of the system and and give worst services or less services or 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 services that come that doesn't come with a connection or so that actually doesn't solve anything if we we just patch the problems of people when we do that so yeah i think yeah. it's it's one of the things that's really big for me right big for me uh, when i'm thinking about this topic right now and and this work and and connecting with these decolonial practices about interrupting cycles of harm <clears throat> and really wondering how my own actions and my own presence in different space will either go with this flow or uh, try to invite to look behind or look at what has happened in a different way or with more depth. Yeah, I feel like um, maybe connected to what you're talking about is um, is something that's come up in a few conversations that I've been having lately around um, around trauma and how people are responding um, currently, um, and and how the practices of the collective really uh, invite us to being in a different way and really um, exploring and understanding how we are reacting and um, and acting relative to, to what's happening and what we're responding to, which I think is, is, uh, is another aspect of checking in on our buses. Um, and so I think that somehow connects here to what you've, you've been talking about as well. Like how do we show up with having so much reverence for each other as human beings, but also with the responsibility to witness and then challenge, witness and challenge how each other is doing and acting um, so that we're not harming and recreating harms um, and that we're really being tender and and gentle with the parts of ourselves that are harmed and the parts of other people that are harmed, um, especially in this time right now. Um, thinking about that has been, uh, has been important. But you know what, Stephen, we should talk to the folks about what it is that we hope to do with this podcast, what our kind of vision is for the conversations that we want to have. Well, I think it's uh, it relates to this invitation I was talking about to sit differently with uh, growing old and growing up and and what it means in the world that we're in right now, this uh, I hate to say this changing world because it's like as if it was new that it's changing. Um, but yeah, in this rapidly evolving, uh, societies um, yeah an invitation to take time to listen to conversations that maybe won't make sense for now <laughs> uh, but that we hope um, 
will hint, I think, to something different, or at least hint to some of the ways that we see things happening. And, and I think we can say that having been with these topics for a while now, we kind of we've been able to dig at, at some more precise challenges and, and make some, some different connections. And I think it's, there's something valuable in that. And, and as much as we invite people to uh, sit with that with curiosity and openness, but also to challenge what we're gonna say and um, really to see it as a, as a conversation that we wanna, we want to be brother and not uh, not just between you and I, as much as I love it. <laughs> yeah, and I, we're hoping that we're going to be able to have guests who come from all age groups, from mm. um, from all, I don't like this saying, but walks of life from every mm-hmm every place, every space, um, hoping to be able to connect with uh, some of the indigenous elders and knowledge keepers and indigenous wisdom that we've been fortunate enough to be able to learn with and and from, Um, as well as uh, some settlers that we've been working with and learning with along the way, both older and younger. Uh, and I think some of the topics we were hoping to be able to to dive into and and explore a little bit more are around aging and dying and um, and eldership and and what eldership means and looks like, different uh, cultural perspectives on that, particularly. Um, hopefully to share some stories and also to share some experiments. So we've been trying out a lot of different mm. things when it comes to our work um, in our work and the work that we've done with the collective and maybe even to be able to share some uh, cartographies that we've been working on as well. And I think, uh, ah, and one other topic area around ageism, which I think is really uh, connected to everything we've been talking about and is connected to you know, then in particular, the negative narrative around getting older. Yeah. yeah. And, co- and connected to what you shared about inviting indigenous teachings and, and, and elders and knowledge keepers around the table. But also we're going to share stories and invite people to look at uh, also the perspective that we hold a bit more, but questions ourselves about whiteness and how it um, informs our way of growing up or to not grow up should I say uh, well well for me I think it's 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 a question that, I, that has been really uh, strong lately but what what wisdom does look like in in this settler society? But yeah, and, and also a, a pull to connect, as, as you said, with younger people too, and, and see how the things that we uh, share about resonate with other generations that have a different view of things. Yeah. So 
I, uh, as you know, I have the uh, collectives with without modernity cards, mm. and I just pulled a few because they're they always Hit have me. some some fascinating um, questions and thought provoking uh, comments, and um, so I I have five cards in front of me actually, um, so. Uh, one of them kind of feels like it might relate to this conversation we've just been having, which is what could help us not turn our backs to the violence that keeps the current system in place and that underwrites our livelihoods. So that one really feels like, you know, how much of our livelihoods are connected to and attached to uh, the violences and, and keeping the current system in place, which has been, I will say, very early on in the space of social innovation has been one of my biggest challenges. How many problems are posed in a way that is actually about maintaining status quo? And that is particularly true when it comes to um, anything that is dealing with a topic that has to do with uh, demographic shift. So for instance, um, anything that has to do with attracting more youth is mm-hmm. often based on how do we maintain the current system that we have because our population is getting older, but we haven't framed it in that way. So I particularly like that one. Did you have any thoughts on that one before I no, move I on? No, I think I couldn't add anything to what you just said. <laughs> Okay, the next one is a, um, actually maybe question here is how can we face the end of the world with or without despair? Without despair, how can we face the end of the world without despair? How can we face any end without despair? Hmm. Good point, (laughs) good point. And, you know, uh, again, early on in the pandemic, um, I was in these two kinds of conversations a lot. They were kind of patterns repeating. One of the conversations was about how terrible and how, um, you know, disruptive the pandemic was to our lives and our ability to um, do work and to, you know, be and et cetera, et cetera. And then the other was actually the end of this world is not bad because this Mm. world is so harmful and Mm. this is a relief to be able to pull back and not have to engage in the same ways is a relief. And so, you know, thinking about the end of something can often be really good for some people and hard for others and who is it good for and who is it hard for and um you know the uh the collective talks about low intensity struggle and high intensity struggle often those are juxtaposed who is it most harmful for those who are in the highest intensity struggles Hmm. um so yeah yeah and i I think those questions shows up in our work a lot uh as, as you said, when we're talking about a demographic transition and talking about aging and 
wanting to maintain the most comfort possible for any aging person. But what does that really mean in a depleting world <laughs> that we're we're overusing? Yeah, uh, is that even a possibility? And and what? is the hybrid way to uh ooh, hybrid that <laughs> sounded like a car thing <laughs> a different way <laughs> uh, not gonna uh, sign just, on to tesla just yet let's just all buy hybrid cars and it's gonna be solved <laughs> and uh have them self-driving for seniors and, and yeah. what else is there to complain about <laughs> yeah just get your refillable water bottle it'll all be good <laughs> yeah, it'll all be good. <laughs> okay, here is a hardish question, which is what cultural ignorances do you continue to embody and what social tensions are you failing to recognize? So do you want to list in alphabetical order or <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, uh, one of the things I'll say related to this is that the more that I work with the methods and the practice um, decolonization practice. I don't know what ways you would term it, call it, whatever. The, the more that I work with, the more that I get familiar with the radars, with all of the different elements that the really sinking into and really understanding the depths of, of the work around analysis of modernity and colonialism and racism, the more that I have available to be able to recognize different social tensions that I can say I haven't seen, I haven't, I wasn't seeing or I haven't been seeing in the same kind of ways. Um, and so it feels like there's like a lifting of some of the cultural ignorances that, um, that Western society has trained in me, um, mm. in my way of being. Uh, so that I can begin to see those things more. Hmm. Yeah. Yes, and I think <clears throat> being more tuned to see those things and 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 to see how they are in ourselves really, I think is is a basic step to get to this thing called allyship, whatever that means. But I've had this big question mark in my head for many years, thinking about those the, the questions of racism of of because you also hear that there is work that there's to be done between settlers and white people because um, racialized people and indigenous people cannot hold or fragility through all, all those changes because they also have work to do within their communities and we have a responsibility because it's they're dealing with our problem and our problems and um so yeah i think it's it's giving me more a, a start of clarity around around what does that work between white people can look like and what does calling to accountability can start to uh, look like. Um, and I think starting from, to start yourself accountable is, is, is already a hard, a hard step. And, but if you're 
starting to practicing that, I think it it opens to see bigger ways that we're reproducing those systems of harm and uh, yeah, and and see also the cute pathetic self that <laughs> of us that is reprodu- reproducing those things in in such a a place of of really feeling uncomfortable and and being uncomfortable with the unknown and the unknowable that that is within uh, within us and around us all the time but yeah we're trying to protect from it or separate from it or both or i think i lost the question now (laughs) no no you were still on it but you might be at the end yes Okay, so I have two more cards uh, called a responsibility and a random invitation. So I'm going to give them both to you at the same time. Okay, so this is a call to intergenerational responsibility. And this is a random invitation to embrace the whole of humanity, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the broken within yourself. And I think those are two good notes to end this episode on. Yeah. And really invite people back to the um, to join us for the next episode, where we hope to have some special guests with us. Um, yeah, because really those questions are going to flow in the next episode and the one after, and probably for uh, quite a while. Yeah. Well, thank you for uh, this shuffling of card and this lovely conversation again. Whoever is Grace and whoever is Cranky, that's um, always lovely to uh, be in those both spaces at the same time with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, surely we can have Grace and Crankiness all together, can't we? <laughs> <laughs> if not oh well <laughs> i think this this little nervous laughing tells all about it <laughs> <laughs> okay that's it please yeah. join us next time thank you everybody miigwech <laughs>